Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag BYU. It was crazy. Like We knew they were trying to get some quick throws, like deep comebacks and stuff. And yeah, obviously, I was just running to the ball. Like the linebacker for Beacon, they made the play, and I seen the ball pop up. And like Coach always said, chips and overthrows, we got to get them. Dangan Wallaku there after he gets the final interception, locks up the win. Three picks, PK. You win the turnover battle 3 nothing. You got a shot, and BYU capitalizes on theirs, takes home a big W. Diane Gwanwalaku? I thought that was Barry White there, Ren. <laughs> Love his deep voice. Were you in the middle of it? The storm in the field? The media is usually down on the last sideline for the last five minutes or so. Well, I was going to do USC's uh, post game. I so got run over. I didn't have to go in that direction because everybody ran to the east side, but a lot of them came from the west side, obviously. But I negotiated the people and weaved my way and bobbed and weaved and went through them. Used your so, lateral quickness to get out of the way? I just walked. Oh. But, uh, so, and they, the SC people got the uh, SC players off the field really quick. And no, none, nothing that I saw indicated any BYU fan going up to an SC player, so there was nothing going on there. So, no, I was glad. See, I, I got to choose, and I figured, well, on the, uh, I chose it before the game on the option that a Utah, BYU won. I knew that would, would one of the things that would happen is everybody would go nuts. But, I mean, they don't really have nothing to play for. They lost the game, so they've got nothing to play for. I mean, what's the point? We know what goal bowl they're going to go to, so why even care? I mean, I, I felt that in the stadium. Nobody cared because they already lost the game, and we know what bowl they're going to go to. Is that one of the dumber takes? And they lost to Utah, so we need to. They need to change everything. They need to figure out which course you're going to go on. Are you going to be a Division One football program or drop to the Big Sky? Because you lost to the Utes, the best team that the Utes has ever had, and you lost to them. So you need really. You got to come to Jesus moment here and just decide that we're done with the football program. Are you people. Is, yes, you're welcome. I'm here to provide the voice of reason. PK's tweets in real life. Yeah, I know. I, I read it too. Huh. How ridiculous. They've got nothing to play for. They lost the game. How so stupid. There's the fun of it all, and that's two weeks of the fun of it all. There's winning tw- overtime. 12 drama. games of the fun of it all. And then if you get a 13th, there's a 13th game of the fun. Just like it is for 95% of the teams who are in conferences. They don't know which crappy bowl game they're going to. They've got to wait. You're fortunate. You know which crappy bowl game you're going to. So you can book your travel. Everybody else has to wait till the first week of December to find out which crappy bowl you're going to. 95% of them. So ridiculous. <laughs> More on the Cougars. And I got called a maggot. A maggot on Twitter. A maggot. For what? For being me. <laughs> For being me. Was it a response to a tweet or was it just a random tweet at you? Yes, I think that's what it was, the latter. I, I, I can't. I, when you tweet a bunch, and I, I try not to tweet dumb stuff during the week. And Yawk retweets all the stuff that uh, all of our, because it's all about downloads, I guess, these days. So he retweets all that crap. I don't do it. It's my Twitter feed, but I don't retweet it. Uh, 
I, re- I save it for the game. So I, if I treat 20 times, I don't know in response to which of the 20 it was. But called a maggot? Was it someone... Uh, it was a Ute fan. Big, big Ute 27? I don't know. It was anonymous, if, that, if that's your point. Yeah, that was just some random uh, made-up name. I think so. Yeah. A maggot. Called me a maggot. Upset because the Cougars won? And you tweeted something positive about them because they won? You have to ask the sender of the tweet. Well, BYU's got another uh, big opponent coming in. 22nd ranked Washington. That'll be on ABC Saturday at 1.30. So you got that to look forward to. They'll go for three in a row. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Yeah, uh, we feel good as a team, but we could be better. We could, we could take, we could, we leave, we left a lot of points on the field, and um, feel like we we could improve in that area. Tyler Huntley, that's kind of been a post game quote that you could put after any of the games so far. They've won them all, and they always talk about what they can do better after the game. Now they're ready for the conference season after blowing out Idaho State Friday night. USC gear up. Did yeah. you learn anything from that game? I didn't watch one second of it, so I have no idea. A <laughs> couple of clips? A uh, couple of highlights? Nothing. No, I didn't pay a lick of attention. It didn't matter. Thompson got deep. Well, I don't care. It was against Idaho State. If you can't get deep against Idaho State, who are you going to get deep against? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. And Florida State's going to get one more shot. Here we go. Trying to tie this. Two seconds left. One second left. The snap goes right to Akers. Akers trying to get the side. He stopped. Still fighting. And that's the game. Virginia wins it. The Cavaliers in the most wild finish you could ever draw up have taken down mighty Florida State. 31 to 24. Bronco Mendenhall's 21st ranked Virginia Cavaliers beat Florida State. They're 3-0, and they are loving it. The wildest finish you could ever dream up. A bunch of crazy finishes this weekend. Your devil's in a crazy finish. Defensive struggle, 3-0 for a long, long time. Trade late TDs. Pac-12 refs. It's a penalty. Pac-12 refs screwed up. They would have been kicking a tying field goal. Still would have been overtime. They wouldn't have won it, right? And then the Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina game, the refs screwed up the end of that one, too. There should have been a second on the clock. Drama all over the place. Temple upset Maryland. Ranked team falling. Anybody in the uh, Pac-12 surprise you with anything that went on this week? Finally, we're not just reading results from 48 hours ago. Anything in the Pac-12? Start with your Devils. I mean, no. the defense, seven points. Yeah, I mean, thought the defense was pretty good, but seven points in a college football game is really a, a small, small total. That was the third time they've done it. Uh, this is who they are. It, you know, it goes to what coaches tell me. And at BYU, they told me, if Tyson Williams gets close to 100 yards rushing, we'll be pretty good. And they're three for three on that forecast or... However you want to phrase it, just a barometer. Barometer's a good one, yeah. Because he didn't get anywhere near it in game one, and they lost. He got near it in game two, and they won. He got at it in game three, and they won. And I didn't speak to the coaches at uh, ASU. I don't have access to their assistant coaches. I'm five, 600 miles away. 
but I have people who do, and they said, if we win games this year, especially at the start, it's all going to be low scoring. So that's why last week I didn't have a bunch of consternation because people have had consternation where they're not following the team. It's like uh, Desmond Howard, I'm watching game day. No way, no how. He doesn't know jack about the Devils. (laughs) Why would he? They're not going to go anywhere this year. So why pay attention to them? It's fun to get a national guy on, but the reality is the national guys really don't know because they just skim it. You got to get in depth, and that's the way they're going to win ball games. Uh, I thought Colorado was competitive. You know, it's tough to play Air Force if you don't play them every year, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you play them. Trying to play that offense, unless you've been have some base foundation from the prior year, can be awfully difficult. Right? I think so. But I think it's cool for the conference, which sucks, to have six-ranked teams, and one of them is an SC. Wouldn't have predicted that coming in. And Arizona not ranked, but that was a nice win over Texas Tech. Actually played a little bit of defense. And the way they won it, two things, the defense and running the ball. Now, Cleo Tate is one of my most favorite players to watch play football. I mean, I'm not an Arizona fan, but I'm a Cleo Tate fan big time. And it is a lot of fun to watch him run the football. And they went, they got the ball on the one-inch yard mark, and they went 15, I think it was, every play were run. It was 13 straight. And, and they went like 19 overall yeah. running the, the ball. And that's a way to win. That's a, a Kyle Whittingham must have just been high-fiving people <laughs> if he happened to be sitting at home watching that game that night. That's I mean, a that's thing the, of beauty. It, to him, absolutely, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, that is the best way to win because that means you dominate and you are controlling everything about that game. And it goes to what I said. Really nothing that happened in the Pac-12 this week surprised me. Maybe the Devils actually winning. I mean, if, but if they would have lost by a couple of points, uh, it doesn't really. The fact is they could be a tough out. And the, the, the Daniels kid totally reminds me of Huntley when Huntley was running around without a clue his first year. And, and then how much can they build yeah. on that going and you, forward? And Tyler Hulley right now, it's only three games and they haven't played a conference game. But in my mind, he is without question the all Pac-12 quarterback. And and it's still, obviously, it's ridiculous to say that because he hasn't There's, played no games. But he is at the top of his. My point that I'm making is that he wasn't near the player two years ago that he is now. He's brilliant now. And can this Daniels kid become that? Because he certainly isn't anywhere near that now. Well, that remains to be seen. But that's expected for first-year freshmen. We saw it with Slovis. I mean, BYU baited him with what they were playing with the dropping eight, and they were baiting him, and he threw the two picks. The last pick, you can't really say was on him, but the other two were, and that kid down the line is going to be way better. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know at this point. Not until there's only so much you can do here other than just you know have the doctor look at it on the sideline. And um, again, I'm going I'm to see a I'm going to see a, a, a hand specialist and and get uh, get his opinion, and then we'll see what the next steps are. Yeah, yeah, I, I am concerned. Um, I'm hoping hoping it's not too significant. You know, there're going to be injuries in football, but it seemed like there were a lot of injuries to. High-profile, celebrity-type guys. You can start with the quarterbacks. Drew Brees talking about his thumb injury right there. Rematch of the NFC title game, the Saints and the Rams. Brees goes out early. The Rams roll 27-9. Yeah, I'm concerned. I'm hoping it's not too significant. 
I assume it is significant that he knows what his body feels like, and they had that shot of him on the sideline. He tried to pick up a ball, and he dropped it like it was a hot potato. I assume, whatever we're going to hear, that it's going to be pretty bad news for him. And Ben Roethlisberger didn't even get hurt, and he was grabbing his elbow. Steelers end up losing 28-26. He left that game in the second quarter, so a couple of high-profile quarterbacks right there. Steelers also lost James Conner, who's now their starting running back. And he had an injury and left the game, so they're falling, PK, but I guess it's inevitable with the NFL. Yeah, it's a question of how long on these guys. Two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever the it might season. be. Season, yeah. yeah. Season, yeah. Uh, several good finishes. Which one thrilled you the most? Well, obviously the Bears and the Broncos. I mean, and the Monday night game was very good, too. Or some on Sunday, Sunday night. night I mean, yeah. But the Falcons on fourth and three throwing the winning touchdown pass. Or the yeah. Bears with their haunted by the bad kicks and all that, and then they get a clutch 53-yarder after a, what, 25, 30-second drive? Should a kicker be allowed to have, in the postgame, be all tatted up and have two earrings if you're a kicker? You want to ban that? You're a kicker. Yeah, well. Can you be all tatted up with two earrings in the postgame? The kids these days. Mr. Pinero sure I, thinks I, so. I would say no. I, 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 as a kicker, you haven't earned that right. Give me back those tats. All right, we got the Monday night game here on the Zone Sports Network. It's Browns and Jets tonight, 615, TV on ESPN. You can listen to it right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Pitch to Braun. High drive. Deep left center field. Bader is back. Braun, a grand slam. And the Brewers have taken the lead in the ninth on a Ryan Braun slam. That was two outs. A 3-2 pitch. Now it's top of the ninth, not bottom of the ninth. And they're down by one, not by three. So dream scenarios and all that stuff. But pretty dramatic. And they actually needed those uh, that, that little cushion. It's not exactly a 1-2-3 ninth inning form there. Gave up a couple runs, but hold on and win. The Cubs just slaughtering the Pirates all weekend. 47 runs in a series, PK. Holy cow. It's off the charts. It is. But they lost Rizzo. He went down. Let's see how that situation is. 16-6, the final yesterday. And Mike Trout is out for the rest of the year. He's going to have surgery on his right foot. Had treatment. It didn't work. Tried to run on it. Had pain pretty much right away. So he'll have surgery and get ready for next year. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL been hanging its hat on defense and winning a lot this summer, but they just had their worst performance since before the Gold Cup break. Worst performance since June 1st. Club that had given up eight goals in 14 games, gave up three goals in one game, and they get beat at Minnesota. Three to one, the final score. They dropped to fourth place in the West. They're going to New England Saturday. That was, uh, after an early goal, that was pretty disappointing how quickly they gave one up. So I would ask you then, who had a worse Gold Cup performance, the U.S. basketball or RSL? Well, it's not exactly. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a Gold Cup performance. Since the Gold Cup? You said they sucked in a Gold Cup. No. It's the first time that they've sucked defensively since the Gold Cup. There was a oh, for great. weeks for the Gold okay, Cup. Okay, who had a better Gold Cup, Spain or RSL? <laughs> RSL wasn't in the Gold Cup. 
Since the Gold Cup. Since is the key word, PK. They weren't in the Gold Cup? They didn't play in the Gold Cup? No. Then why the hell did you say since the Gold Cup? Because there was a two-week <laughs> break, and they defended well since then. <laughs> since Columbus Day, pick some random event that they didn't even participate in. That doesn't make any sense. Before the Gold Cup, their last two games, they got shredded for six goals. And like a mini training camp, worked on okay. the defense during so the Gold Cup break. For the break of the Gold Cup. You, when you say since the Gold Cup, that would imply that they played in the Gold Cup. You should have said since the break for the Gold Cup. Am I right, Yak? You do have a point. <laughs> what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. And speaking of the Gold Cup for the U.S. and Hoop, I think it's great news that they didn't win. Because you don't want them to win with a third-tier team? Because it tells me that this is the NBA season is by far way more important than the Gold Cup. Now, for these other foreign guys, they, they, they get off on these international competitions, but not our guys. So I want the NBA season to be way more important than the Olympics. I want it to be way more important than some silly Gold Cup or whatever they got, the Pan American Games or all these things that they used to have. You know, who cares about that stuff? It's okay, but I want all the emphasis on our season. And that's exactly what this thing screamed to me, is that it is about the NBA season. And that's what matters the most. It seems like since they moved the date, and we'll have to see if the best players play in the Olympics next year are just taking them at their word. I think they will. But they didn't want the back-to-back summers. When they changed the World Championship and rebranded the World Cup, they also moved it one year. So instead of being every other year, they're now in back-to-back summers. It seems like that's what the best NBA players were saying. is I'll, I'll yeah. play in a summer tournament, but I, I don't want to do it two summers in a row. They don't want to get burned out for the NBA yeah, season. Right. And so that's great news. And it's just too much cumulative wear and tear in their minds, especially given some of the specific injuries some of the guys had. I want our season to matter way more than some three-week spiel in some country. Obviously, Durant wasn't going to play in the year he tore his Achilles. So it's for some of the guys, it's just what they had going on this summer. But for other guys, it was the whole back-to-back deal, the guys who are healthy. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, Frank Dolce is going to join us in the very next segment, our Ute Insider Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He's seen three non-conference games. He's seen USC lose at BYU. What is he expecting? We will speak with him next. Gary Anderson, Aggie coach, coming off the bye, getting ready for the conference opener. San Diego State joins us at 830. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Reds beat the Diamondbacks 3-1. Eugenio Suarez chasing the most home runs in the major leagues this year, hitting home runs number 46 and 47. Monday Night Football matches the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. The game kicks off at 6.15. You can listen to it on The Zone Sports Network and watch it on ESPN. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, heating and air, are looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero team at 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. This 
is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Your feelings about the Team USA basketball team. When you look at how many NBA stars did not participate, you have to weight it with that in mind. They should have at least been meddling in this thing, even given the talents that didn't play for Team USA. But I'm not losing sleep over it. No. I don't suddenly uh, decide to boycott the NBA season because FIBA. I really didn't care. Oh, I was like, you had your best players not out there playing. You are that close to the season with training camp getting going. There's the bigger things for them to focus on. As I look at it, I'm not like, I'm ashamed of USA basketball. <laughs> no. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical. We'll light up your day. Give them a call at 801-543-2222 and we'll be right on our way. That's 801-543-2222. Time now to talk Utah football with Frank Dolce. Frank, joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. So Frank, Happy Monday. Frank, yeah. I'm curious how you handled your Saturday. Did you go to the Idaho State game? Did you sit at home and like occasionally watch a play or two from the Ute game, but really you were scouting USC and BYU and that was a competitive game? How'd you handle that? <laughs> No, no, you know where my loyalties lie. And besides, I have duties, pre- and post-game duties, on your very station for Utah football. So I'm completely engaged in that football game. It was more like I was totally engaged in Utah's football game and checking in on what was happening with our Pac-12 rival and our other rival, non-Pac-12 rival. So now that we're done with the three non-conference games, as I evaluate the Utes, I really know nothing more or nothing less than I knew three weeks ago. (laughs) How would you respond to that? Yeah, I don't disagree. I, uh, I think that Utah kind of did all the things they were supposed to do with the three non-conference games. And I think they, you know, they made, they took steps forward. They made a progression with the with the football team, and and so all of those things were positive. They came out relatively injury free, and and things like in those games, you know, no no turnovers from the quarterback position, no turnovers, no sacks, all of, you know, pretty good third down percentage. Not in the first game, but they kind of turned that around the next two. Um, really good at the defensive line and time stifling on the defensive side of the ball. So I think they answered, you know, the que- some of the questions that we may have had, but now it, now you want to see if those things translate against bigger and better competition. Uh, and the thing that's scary about USC is, although I don't, I'm not sure that they, you know, b- b- credit, BYU and the, and the game plan, I, I really think that BYU just outcoached USC, to be honest. I don't think the athleticism was, was, was as much a factor as it could have been. I think BYU just outcoached them. But, but the, the, the issue with USC, the scary thing about USC is we've seen those guys when they're really good, uh, when they're running around the field and they, look, they make another team look like they're still in high school and athleticism can kind of 
peek up, poke its head out any time. So um, this is going to be the first real big test for Utah. And I think like you are saying, this is we'll have a much better evaluation, much better tool to evaluate Utah football after this this Friday evening at USC. So when you say they outcoached them, was it? Uh, are you primarily looking at the way they defended the passing game, dropping eight, making a making a freshman make decisions, and he made a few mistakes? Or there's other stuff you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're dropping eight people. Some somebody in the box has to see that. Somebody in in the in the in USC's on USC's coaching staff has to be able to look down from the press box and say, "Hey, hey, they're." Look, they have three guys at the line of scrimmage. We're going to have to make them put more people at the line of scrimmage if we want our passing game to open up because we have freshman quarterback and we don't want to put them in a position like this. As, as much as I thought that Helton and his coaching staff had the freshmen ready to play mentally, and we talked about this last week against Stanford and the way that he played against Stanford. Now, Stanford, by the way, might not be all that we thought they were, but – but he, that kid Slovis looked like he was, he was ready to take on a Pac-12 schedule when he played Stanford. He did not look the same against BYU. He looked rattled at times. He looked uncertain at times. And he's a true freshman. So, you know, all of those factors apply. But, but BYU just put him in positions to make mistakes, and he didn't get any help from his coaching staff, for heaven's sake. I mean, that's a, they're just, BYU's just daring USC to run the ball downhill, and USC has has the guys, and then they just—it's—it—it it felt like they didn't do it, and then they did, and then they did start running the ball, and then they didn't do it again. I mean, I—I I just thought that. Congratulations to Kalani Sataki for putting together and executing a really good, well, uh, well, well thought out game plan. So then, based on all that you just said and the fact of what we saw on Saturday, I can't help but think that I don't think this game is as tough for the Utes as I thought it was going to be. I know, I know, but I'm not going to say that. I hate to say stuff like that. I, that was my thought, exactly my thought after the game, USC-BYU, and I just thought, well, you know, here here we go. Utah should, but then as soon as you say stuff like that, PK, you know. Remember when Utah should have beaten Colorado the first year to win the conference champion or the division? Yeah, I remember it very well. Title. <laughs> yes. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. They didn't win that game. They did not. They did not win that game. So I, I just feel like, especially with the USC team that is now, I think the USC team goes two different ways at this point. Either this USC team rallies around a, a head coach that's very likely now to be fired, or throw in the t- first sign of adversity, they throw in the towel. All I know is there's a lot of athleticism on that football team. And if they if they feel like they're backed into a corner, or they're going to be at home. There's certainly some pride there with USC. Then you just have that's a you know the, the wounded animal. Just watch out because I feel like those guys are going to be ready to play. And athletically, they're as good as anybody in the conference. Which is another interesting thing about this conference. I I walked out of this weekend thinking, what in the world is going on with the Pac-12? And then I read an article that <laughs> some guy wrote that said. You know, is the Pac-12 back? They have six teams in the top top 25 or something. I just, I, I'm on the opposite side. I feel like the Pac-12 needs to have a juggernaut, and they're 
There isn't. As I look across the Pac-12, there's no unbeatable team in the, the Pac-12. There's not an Alabama. There's not a Clemson. There's not, there's not an Ohio State. There's not a team like that in the Pac-12 that you say, no, this is the team that everybody is gunning for. Everybody in the Pac-12 is beatable. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I'm curious what you think of, you know, Kyle Whittingham, knowing him, doing, you know, having done radio and been around him for a long, long time. Is he going to look at that tape of the BYU game and think, we're going to do that until USC solves it, we're doing that? Or is he going to say, we're going to be who we are. We like to play man, so we're going to play some man. We like to rush four, we're not going to rush three because I don't want to take one of my really good defensive linemen off the field. How's he going to handle this? I think that he'll handle it more in a this is something we can add to our arsenal. Okay, this is the way that, that BYU defended USC that was very effective. Okay, let's, put, let's add that piece. Let's keep what we do really well, and then in certain situations where it makes sense, let's add that piece where we can maybe drop an extra guy and, and confuse the quarterback a little bit. And to be honest, I don't think that Utah would take a defensive lineman off the field and, and put in another linebacker or a defensive back, they'll just drop a defensive lineman into coverage. Take one of their defensive ends, one of those front four guys, and all of a sudden you're going to see that guy dropping into coverage. That would be my guess. And we've seen Utah do things like that in the past, especially when they had a guy like Trevor Riley running around you know, on the defensive end. He could kind of drop back and play that position a little bit. So I don't think they change anything. Utah doesn't change anything they do on the defensive side. I think they'll be a little more cautious about running man-to-man against a very talented USC receiving core. But it's just another – now you just take it – you just add another piece to the arsenal and and you say, okay, this is something we can also do to uh, eliminate or or limit what could be a very productive offensive football team. How much do you factor in the desperation factor? Because it's clear now if the Trojans lose this game, then Clay Hilton is in a world of trouble if he's not already in trouble. So when you go on the desperation meter, that number or arrow is certainly way more desperate for SC than it is Utah. It will be interesting to see how Clay Hilton manages this. One of the great things about Kyle Whittingham is in any type of situation – up, down, middle of the road, whatever it is, he is as steady as they come. Like, it doesn't, nothing changes. His attitude doesn't change. The way that he prepares his team doesn't change. The mentality doesn't change. It's, it, it's really comforting for a football player and for a team to know exactly what's going to happen on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. You know, up or down, win or lose, you know what you're going to get. It's that I've always said that his team always takes on his persona and it's that kind of, you know, blue collar, pack your lunch pail. It'll be interesting to see how Clay Helton manages this because certainly the team hears about it and knows about it. And that has to affect them. And that's what I mean is it, it does this, does this make the team rally around the coach or does the team kind of run for cover at the first sign of adversity this this weekend on Friday night, and and it's all going to be dependent on how Helton manages it. He seems, based on his the stuff that he said in the post game, um, it feels to me like 
he's feeling the pressure a little bit. And, and why, why not? Why, why wouldn't he? I mean, it's all over the place. And that stuff could, could trickle down to the team. And then the team reacts poorly. So uh, I, I hope for – because, you know, he's such a good guy. Clay, Clay Helton's like a really good guy. He hasn't been able to get his, the talent at USC to reach the highest of the heights, and, and there's high expectations there. I hope he comes out well on this, but it, it, at this point, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. I think he's going to have to make kind of a miraculous run uh, from this point on. You know, we talk about quarterbacks a lot because, well, why not? They're quarterbacks, and that's how football works. But look at USC's defense. It's a three-game sample now against, you know, and they haven't padded it by playing, you know, big sky teams playing down a level. They're giving up on average about 410 yards and 24, 25 points a game. Do you think the Utes of what you've seen over these three weeks are average offensively, and that's probably what they're going to do in this game? Do you expect a little more out of them? I don't think you'd expect a little less, but we'll throw it out there. What do you think they're going to do versus this USC defense? I, I feel like we haven't seen Utah really open up their offense. I think they tried a few more things in the past game just to work on them against Idaho State. But I still feel like Coach Ludwig has not quite opened up the playbook. So the foundation of the team will, will stay the same, and USC is going to have to respond to that. I, you know, Utah's just going to make USC stop the running game. And then if USC is able to do that, then you have to think, think about some other, you know, we're going to do this with Tyler Huntley. We're going to, you know, maybe we're going to use our quarterback as more of a running threat and, and we're going to institute a little bit more of the, of the run, run pass option game. And maybe we're going to utilize the run, you know, utilize some different players in the run game to, to stretch out the defense. But, but the foundation of Utah's offense isn't going to change. I mean, it's, it's the consistency of, of Kyle Whittingham. So he's going to look at what USC does and he's going to say, okay, this is what we do really well. You come up and stop us. And if you stop us, then we're going to, you know, we'll respond to that. And, and along with that, I'm interested to see how coach Ludwig, Ludwig manages the game because I, like I said, I feel like he still has a few things that he hasn't quite opened up in the playbook. And now that you get into conference play and now that you get into games where, you know, (laughs) It's, it's not a must-win game, but it's a game that you probably kind of have to win for, for Utah at this point in the schedule, even though it's the first conference game. I, I think that the offense could open up a little bit. He's Frank Dolce. He joins us every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank, thanks for a few minutes, and uh, <laughs> good luck Friday night. I know – I. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, we'll see how it goes. I feel a little bit anxious about this game. I mean, I, does it feel to you guys like this is a game that Utah should go in and win, but there's still a little question in the back of your mind? Yeah, that's fair. I don't feel like it's a total lock. I mean, you go in there, no, you, turn the ball, you turn the ball over a couple times and give them a lead, and you're going to be in trouble. So it's, yeah. it's not a lock, but I do yeah. feel like they had a win. I, I feel the same way, but, man, it's, it still makes me a little nervous. Anyway, it should be fun. Exciting to get into conference play. It's always great to talk with you guys. Thanks, Frank. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Gary Anderson, Utah State coach, is coming up at 8.30. Got the question of the day up at Facebook. How great was that BYU win? And we will get to that coming up. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Thursday, September 19th from 3 to 6 p.m. at Umami Japanese Barbecue at 568 North Mill Road in Vineyard, Utah for great tasting Japanese barbecue. Cougars are 2 and 1. They took down USC and OT. That brings us to the question of the day. It's up on our Facebook page. How great was that BYU win? Sensational. For where they are in their program. Yeah, absolutely, man. So many folks had these team, this team at 0-4, Kalani in trouble, lame duck, uh, who's going to be the next coach, blah, 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 blah. And uh, we said if they got to 2-2 two and two out of these four, that would be best-case scenario. Well, now they're going for 3-1. and one. I don't know if they'll get it, but that's what they're going for. They played a steady game, no turnovers. Uh, looked, I thought they looked a lot better from game one. Granted, the opponent in game one was a lot better. But as you look at it now, certainly there's no shame in losing to Utah, who is a top 10 team, if not higher. Utah's all that and more, maybe. We'll see and more will play out over the next several weeks. But, you know, and with the three, it's funny, they had the three turnovers and they lost. Now SC had the three turnovers and they lost. But they did what they needed to do. It was a great, great win. If I'm their fan base, after all the crap they've had to take, and all the beatdowns to Utah they've had to take, and how everything is flying high up on the hill and not so much in Provo. Every last one of them I would have run out on the field if I were those guys. Have fun <laughs> with it. And they did. And that turned into a huge debate on the Facebook page. Should they have stormed the field? Absolutely. Why not? All the crap that they've had to deal with. Yeah, you put it in perspective because they have all the disadvantages. People were saying, man, they've got to just overhaul everything. They've got to decide which way they want to go. They're at the crossroads of their very lives. That's what we heard. That's exactly what we heard. So they still managed to win these two games, and this one in you know, the overtime. Overtime always adds to the excitement no matter what it is and who it is. Once you have The college football overtime to me is awesome. I absolutely love it because you know an ending is coming and it's coming right now. And what's it going to be? And the drama builds to where, and if you're out on the field and every game that I cover that's overtime, I'm on the field because that's where we are at the end of the game. So, and you can feel the passion in the stands. It's just on the sidelines. It's absolutely, it was so funny. The last uh, drive that they went down to tie the score or actually, did they go ahead? And what, then they, when BYU the Cougars, went down to yeah. BYU so, went ahead. They took to so, lead. So I'm up, yeah. yeah. So I'm up in a press box, 
And in the press box, you're not supposed to show any emotion or whatever. So that BYU has a lot of, I guess, their student interns, I would assume, because they look very young. And this one gal, she knew, I can't do anything. Oh, they've been lectured, clearly. Yeah, yeah you got to so, give the interns the lecture. So she would go into the hallway and just thrust her fist down. <laughs> Hold on, what? Yeah. Leave the press box, yeah. go in the hallway, All the way to the quietly ele- to the elevator. fist pump. I was standing up. Because okay. you're a Cougar fan lifer. I, I, already had, I had already headed down to the field, so I missed this. Back into yeah. the press box, and then yeah. now I can totally see it. And she I would can... just go in the little hallway there where the restrooms are, and just, <laughs> and I could see her out of the corner of my right eye, and then come back then in. come back composed. in, be professional, composed. <laughs> right. well, a couple of years ago, there was, a, there was one of their students who would literally pound the table like fist yeah well you're not you're not supposed to do that right and so she was professional she She went in the hallway she left the room letter of the law (laughs) had a momentary (laughs) celebration all right and they're young and all that's i get it i know she's probably been a fan all the way through junior high and high school right right. and it's hard to just turn it off at the moment it is it is yeah over time you'll get burned out on it well (laughs) if you're in the business certainly you do yeah and so well you know it doesn't matter to me but uh it was fun to see sitting next to bosco on that uh play with a quarterback draw they break the huddle and he looks you got to run a quarterback draw here. <laughs> <laughs> the middle of the field is wide open. Yep, and Zach took it up the middle. And I looked at him and I said, man, you know, if Croton had let you call all the plays, <laughs> you'd still be, he, he'd still be coaching. <laughs> Did he start laughing? I won't give you his response. Involve an expletive. It did not involve an expletive. No, that's not who Bosco is. But just some stuff that he has told me over the years. <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> I wish I was there. He's always funny in those moments. It still boils up a little bit. Yeah. But I thought it was a sensational victory. You know, they came within one crowdstorming of tying the all-time record for crowdstorming. That's going to be a hard record. You know that. I know, I know. Like Stockton's their assist. Reasons, the Maggio's, what, was it their, 61 game? There are reasons, streak? especially with replay now, <laughs> that you will storm and then have to clear the field. And that was and one of them. And storm the floor again. So, or field. So you'll see a lot of the double storm, but the triple storm is still going to be a very rare, I, rare beast. I understand it. It would be like hitting five home runs in a game. <laughs> I mean, just we haven't seen it, and it's very, very rare. Now, I knew that I had a great view of the pick, so I was standing next to BYU fan. Was you think he's going to stand? I said, "Oh yeah, there's no question. He's his arms were underneath the ball. I saw it. I was." A unobstructed view from where I was standing on the sideline. Yeah, absolutely. I said so. They're going to storm the field again. Yeah, this is a program that has been left for dead. That was four nine last year, and people their own two years ago, yeah. two years ago, two years uh, their own were seriously calling for Sataki's uh, dismissal. Yeah, absolutely. So this guy's under an enormous amount of pressure. He's trying to do the best he can, and it's a difficult situation. It's not easy. I mean, this is coaching BYU football right now is the toughest job that it's ever been since Lavelle Edwards got it going on. Yes. And if a couple things, you know, you can't control everything. And if a couple things had gone against him, he could have lost either one or both of these games. And still, the coaching job, now it's easy to say, oh, it's a great coaching job. But would the coaching job have really been any different? If, uh, you know, somebody doesn't get their arm under a pass. I mean, a couple of those on the yeah, I get it. interceptions, you know, it was close. That diving interception was a great play. He got it. He barely got it, but he got it. 
Yeah, it's more about the tip ball allowing yeah. the uh, Guanalaku to make the uh, play. So hats off to those guys. I say celebrate wildly because you're now the underdog, man. And even if you're not necessarily an underdog in an individual game, you're an underdog program. And that is a brand new territory from where you were for two, three decades, particularly compared to the Utes. And they're flying high. They're all that, obviously. And they're really good. No one's denying that. So this is your opportunity. You beat a big-name program. I mean, my gosh. Like, what do they claim? 11 national championships. They've got the most guys drafted of anybody. 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 And like, over 500 guys have been drafted in the NFL. This 500? Is something like that, yeah. Let's see. Over I, mean, the I know they've had a lot of guys drafted, but like 500, that just seems like a massive yeah. number. I, I believe that's what the yeah. number is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what the that's what the number I is. I had never heard the number. I, yeah. I don't doubt you. It just surprised. And all the conference titles and Rose Bowl appearances. Yeah, they're not the same, but neither are you. So in that way, so I say celebrate, and they did it in a responsible, respectful manner. There was no incidents that I'm aware of. And why not? It was an emotional game, and they won. Spencer posted, it was great, but was it really great enough to storm the field? Absolutely it was. I just said that. Yes, there's no question it was. Gwen says, in all caps, so I could just shout on the radio, yes, no one gave them a chance. Come on, they were four-point underdogs. It was a good win, and they were underdogs. But it's not like they were 20-point underdogs oh, or 30-point, yeah, no one gave him a chance. It's not like Desmond Howard when he said about Michigan State ASU, no how, no way. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I seen that Saturday morning when I was pumping iron. <laughs> I was Daniel, to it. Daniel says as far as the field storming, let them have this one. Home games in Provo haven't been too exciting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they have. They've, they've sucked. The big wins have been on the road or neutral fields. But in any case, not in Provo. So I have zero Biggest problem with since it. Texas? Uh, oh, at at home? home. At home. Sure, probably. That yeah. Texas home win was, the crowd was pretty fired up that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think SC has a decent ball club. I want to see Clay Hilton succeed. He, may, he had a comment last uh, in the post game, asking about the noise. Yogi could probably find it. He said, uh, "They asked him. He said, we live in Los Angeles, California. There's noise all the damn time.'" <laughs> <laughs> and I burst out laughing when he said that, because <laughs> I thought, of, "Yeah, I used to live there. I go back there multiple times every year. I still got friends in the media there, so I know full well uh, how it is, and, and I know full well about SC." Yeah, been there in the Coliseum a thousand times covering this stuff. So there's all sorts of pressure and noise on this guy. So this, this, and it, it, it's not like if they would have won, it would have eliminated the noise. It would have quieted the noise. It's still very loud, and maybe it grew louder, but it's still it was loud, very loud to begin with because they've got a way tougher schedule. I mean, would you rather be two and one in this schedule or be three and zero with Utah's cream puff schedule? Well, if you can separate out all the expectations, I mean, certainly their games have been more entertaining and better opponents and all that, but, man, the expectations are so high. And you look at those first six games. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just it seems like a crazy combination. Can you people look at who you're playing in these six games? But it, it really feels like if he's not 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, and obviously he can't be 6-0 and oh now, he could be in a world of trouble. I don't know with all their changes. You're four and two. Even if you run the table, are they going to fire well, a ten I think and two they, coach they or a nine and three coach? They got to win this week. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your reaction to BYU's big win. Grab your phone, use the app, open mic, send us your take, and uh, Yak will play it next, or you can call 855-340-ZONE. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.